From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City. From planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space. A podcast with no equal. Engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Twitch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The Switch is on Battleline Podcast. Welcome to our Top Shelf episode. And I'm calling it the Top Shelf episode because these are some of the top 10 episodes of all time in terms of streams. And I can't definitively say that uh, 100% because for one, these aren't, you know, these are, these are, let me see, yeah, five different episodes. These aren't necessarily the top five. These are in the top 10 since moving over to Simplecast. So, Prior to around episode 70, we were using SoundCloud to store our episodes. And you've probably heard the name Dylan on here before if you're a longtime listener. Uh, I do some work with Dylan from Narrative.fm. I do In the Wild and Obscurities and all that. And he was also selling us uh, some ad space with companies like Audible and uh, and some others You know that, that we should mention. That uh, Oh, oh I, I'll tell you who I got to mention because uh, I wasn't prepared to to mention them all. But Darn Tough Socks from Vermont, because those are great, Darn Tough Vermont Socks. But anyway, we, since then, we've kind of just been doing our own uh, our own sponsors with companies that we've worked with for a while or that we have a partnership with, like Fort Scout, like Bubs Naturals, and that type of thing. Um, so I didn't save all of the streams from Episode 70, and I don't know exactly how many uh, those got prior to Episode 70, because I know that the TIG episode, the uh, Alex Jones episode, those are definitely in our most streamed episodes. So this is the most streamed since we moved over uh, back on episode 70, which was quite a while ago. And this is also sort of the, not just the best of top shelf, this is sort of a best of Army Rangers episode, just because it happened to work out that way. Most of these, as you will hear, are Army Rangers. Uh, But the first person that we have spotlighted on here is not an Army Ranger, and actually... Uh, by the time you're hearing this, we'll be getting back, or I'll be getting back from Kansas and Fort Scott, where Phil Otto will be teaching the night vision course with Chris Peranto there in Fort Scott, Kansas. So, uh, yeah, Phil was one of our most streamed episodes, so why not start this one off from back on episode 101? This is our good friend Phil Otto on why he became a Marine, and I should note here, we're going to be back in studio while we're in Kansas with Phil Otto. So that's going to be our next episode following this, our first in-studio episode on video ever, actually, and our first in-studio full episode since episode one. It's been far too long, and I hope we get to do that type of thing more often. We'll see what the setup is like in Kansas. I'll see because I'm recording this prior, and if it's if it's great and it works out, then maybe we'll do some more in-studio stuff every month or so. I'd love to fly out there and get guests out there in Kansas and do more in studio because I'm an old school radio guy. That's certainly how I like to do it. I prefer that to Zoom. Uh, We might move over to Riverside or somewhere else, uh, you know, so we can get the high resolution 
video, the high definition audio, but Zoom has been working and our video go, video guy Rob uh, from MLB Network has been doing a tremendous job. So shout out to Rob with all the recent video that you've seen and he's really stepping his game up with all that. So yeah, without further ado, this is from episode 101 once again, our buddy Phil Otto on why he became a Marine. Listening to your podcast and anybody else for a lot of folks, I wouldn't say everybody, but you know, it's something from childhood on up, you know, some kind of passion, some kind of early seed that was planted in them, whether it's, you know, prior family members or yeah, just kind of a sense of patriotism. And, you know, I'd, I'd be no different, you know, growing up as a kid, I think, you know, we were, you know, the kids on the block, at least the, the boys that you know I grew up on, we got, you know, many hours just kind of playing, playing army in the woods or, you know, doing something with stick guns, you know, and you were shooting each other BB guns. We don't have a politically correct show. I did. We put, we had BB gun wars when I was growing up. (laughs) I would say, yeah, getting into junior high, it kind of got, got that way. So (laughs) it was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, you know, that, that was really what started. And, you know, my father was in a Marine Corps and, um, you know, our grandfather was in the army. So, you know, there was a little bit of the family, um, carryover as well. And then after high school, um, uh, yeah, I was off the boot camp probably a month after graduating high school, something like that. Cause uh, you know, most of the time, the, at least Marine Corps recruiters, they'll set to a date and they always call two weeks early, <laughs> eight o'clock in the morning. It's like, you got to get on this freaking train to, you know, today, or you're going to miss a slide. It just, because they know the longer people wait, they yeah. get cold feet. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and everybody. It seems like everybody's got the same story, and that was no different. I think I was, you know, hanging out doing, you know, somewhere the night before. I think I was asleep on the couch. A recruiter called like eight o'clock in the morning. It's like, oh, you got to be on the train to uh, go process at Maps and go to boot camp like today. And I was like, Shh, okay, yeah, let's go. Yeah. You know. It, it, um, it's, it's weird how that works in the army. They put us in a hotel two days for fire and they're like, you're in jail. Yeah. They, they, it, I, they yep. you know, they put you, you get there and, and Hey, here's your hotel. And it's, you know, you, they just monitor. You can't go anywhere. You're basically right. in hotel prison because they don't want you running off. And, and, but you're right. You have people get cold feet right at the beginning. And yeah. that's when they usually opt out. Right, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. Keep, keep going, man. Um, well, I, you know, just to kind of, keep the conversation going. Uh, boot camp, you know, is kind of a blur. I don't know. I, I remember segments, right? You don't, I don't really remember a lot of boot camp as being this long story. It was just little points that I remember. And, you know, one of them, at least for the Marine Corps, you know, you show up and, and you, you unload the bus and you stand on the yellow footprints, you know, that's the Marine Corps. And I went to San Diego. So I was a West coast Hollywood Marine, I guess a lot of people call it. Um, and you know, as far as I know, those yellow footprints are the same as they've ever been since, since as long as it's there. So it's kind of, you know, even coming off the first two minutes of you being there, you kind of jump right into, you know, the history of it and kind of, you know, shit, my dad was standing on the same footprints, you know, back in 67 oh, and, uh, you, you know, 30 years later, roughly, cause it was 95, you know, you're able to do the same thing. So that's kind of, kind of cool. Um, but yeah, boot camp was a blur, you know, it, it, like, uh, 
I imagine everybody else's experience, but there's just little kind of points that kind of flash back. And um, yeah, it was, that was interesting. That was, you know, uh, swimming in the deep end, but it was fun too. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. The challenge was fun and it was, um, it was kind of, sometimes it's comical, you know, why? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Watching oh. people just fall apart, you know, when the whole world's crushing around them. It's, uh, <laughs> It's, it, it can be funny at the same time, but you try it, you know, you can't laugh, obviously. You well, you can't, you can't. Now, I, you, you remember all those things and you remember those, those times of, of, of woe. And you're looking back at them like, man, that was actually yeah. entertainment. That was fun. And the drill sergeants or drill instructors and they're screaming and yelling. And, and, and I, I still remember one of them where I, I were one of our drill sergeants. We had a private that had a, accidental or negligent discharge with a blank he was trying to clear and oh. he he had we were going the range too so we're, we're doing you know we're doing our pre-range stuff and so we don't have accident negligent discharges on the range with real ammo and so we had i don't know if it, he had his little paddle that he because he was going to be the range masters that had green and shit yeah. red yeah and i remember yeah. the dude pop right in his face and i looked and it was drill sergeant harney and drill sergeant harney was the devil he's just he was this big i loved him yeah. he was my favorite drill big big six, seven black drill sergeant that looked like the devil, just a demon. And, but he did. I love the guy. He was, he was one of, I, I still remember him as being one of my greatest mentors and just learning so much from, him. but at that time he was the devil. We we're only three weeks into basic. Oh, and I remember right. smacking the shit out of the private with that paddle. Just pop, pop, pop. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? What son of a bitch. And I just watched it. And I, even then I'm, I'm trying, I, I started laughing because right, I thought it was the most hilarious right. looking thing. This kid from New Jersey, his eyes are about this big, oh, he has yeah. the BCG, the birth, birth control glasses on. And, <laughs> and I still remember yeah. Harney just cause it did, he shot it. Bam. I remember. And I saw the poof of smoke and the, <laughs> the muzzle was right in front of Harney's face. If I was a real bullet, Harney would have been dead. And I just remember, and I don't think they can do that anymore. Did, I know. Do you have any stories where, where drill sergeants got physical back in the day? You're old like me, dude. I, now I, they did an art. My first time through, they, they got physical. They, they threw us around. They would smack us. They would check. I mean, it, it, and then, you know, I ain't going to lie. We, we had some blank. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it, well, it was starting to tame down. I wouldn't say they weren't like full out, you know, swings or like body pull out five across the eyes right they made sure that they were you know probably that far from you and um they would grab or i mean one thing i do remember they would smack the rifle so they weren't smacking you but it hit you in the side of the head that's that's okay yeah so they were just kind of working within the, the regulations um because i know there were some horror stories i i want to say that not in my platoon, but other, you know, sister platoons or whatever that, I don't know, they were locking recruits in like the foot lockers, you know, <laughs> you know, if they, I don't know what they were doing, but most of the time, you know, it was just thrashing you. I mean, just, yeah. Yeah. you know, they pull ups, push ups and uh, monkey fuckers and everything else. And they would, I mean, sometimes they would take your, shoe polish lid and set it down in front of you and like until that thing's full of sweat we ain't stopping that's right you guys know, are, <laughs> just to put it in perspective it's those little kiwi those kiwi shoe polishes that are only about or they're about a half inch big the, the lid's about yeah. less than a half inch 
And um, explain to everybody what a monkey fucker is for all of our non-military personnel listening out there. What, well, what, what exercise is that? Well, if as far as what we did, um, you stood up or from a standing position, you grabbed your ankles and then you would squat <laughs> while holding on to your ankles and stand back, you know, come back up. And it seems easy, but it gets very hard real quick. You're, um, you, you got some sore ass, sore ass gluteus yeah. maximus is good. I remember, yep, I just wanted you to, because yeah. those are the most hilarious exercise and you feel like such an idiot doing them too. Oh, no, it's, yeah, it's not smooth or cool looking at all. Like you're not doing these at the gym, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, if you do, somebody's going to make a TikTok video of it and you'll be a TikTok star. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, you can you, know, you continued yeah. on and, and you know, basic. Then um, yeah. did you stay, because I never really asked you, did you stay on the West Coast or did you head over to Jacksonville after did you go or well, to 29 Palms? No, I, I was East Coast after SOI. So, yeah, when I finished boot camp, I uh, went to SOI back at Camp Pendleton. And uh, after that, yeah, all my duty stations were East Coast. Uh, so, you, you, was it mainly at Lejeune then? Or, you, or you were, is there somewhere up, I, up in Norfolk? Or where were you at? Well, when I started, my first duty station was Quantico, Virginia. Okay. okay. And um, it, there's a small company of like combat arms marines there and it's called enlisted instructor company so all the officer courses tbs or what they call the basic school and then if you're an infantry officer uh or ground intel officer you go through what's called ioc infantry officers course okay and that course is actually very uh very difficult i know they were trying to send females through there and they couldn't get anybody to pass okay uh, but IOC is tough, and basically we're there as op four for the most part. So anytime, especially IOC, they've got long uh, field exercises when they'll go, you know, we'll fly to AP Hill huh. and you'll be out there for a week or two weeks, you know, one MRE a day, freaking patrolling. And uh, yeah, so that, that was interesting. I was there and then second uh, battalion, second Marines at Camp Lejeune, um, went down there and that was a good time. I guess that would be considered what the Marine Corps calls the fleet, you know, actual deployable forces. Uh, but Quantico was a good time. It was DC at the time that traffic, one thing I remember Quantico, the DC traffic is nuts, even back in 98. And I've yeah. been back a couple of times since, and I don't ever want to go back there. I, well, I, 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 you, can't, you can't get anywhere, especially in that, that oh. time. I don't blame being a pro. Did you guys, as privates, did you, well, you were what, were E2 or E3 when you went there? You, you didn't make corporal. Yeah, well, I got there as E2, right? E2. I was E2 and E3 when I was there. So yeah. where did you, where did you live? How do you afford to live in Quant or do you live in, are there barracks there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Dude, I lived in barracks my whole first and left. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was, well, yeah. Yeah, and even if you did, like, I don't know how some of the other, but if you were infantry, even if you were, um, I want to say, if you were less than E5, and, and some battalions might be different, but if you, even if you lived out in town, you still had to maintain a barracks room. Okay. So you still yeah. had to be there on Thursday for, in the Marine Corps, Thursday's field day. 
you always clean Thursday and they inspect your shift Friday. They okay. Peace time Marine Corps, put it that way. I don't know if they still do it now, but yeah. So yeah, the whole for I was in the barracks. Um, and you know, when I first came in, we had squad base still, we weren't individual rooms. The, the big open base. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The first couple of years, all pretty much that, that was Quantico, Virginia. Yeah. We were squad based. I mean, definitely kind of, taking a chapter, you know, back in a book into history with that, but well, those it was are, fun. It was good. But those time. are fun. Yeah. Those are fun. The yeah. squad base, you, you would think that, that it wouldn't be. And honestly, the squad base, you know, it, it was somewhere you could, you would build right. camaraderie and, you know, and, and you'd build, yeah. damn near build your immune system up like a motherfucker. Cause you got 30, <laughs> 30 dudes in there and they're all disgusting. Right. And if somebody gets sick, then another person gets sick. Everybody's oh, got the concoction, everybody. of, but yeah. you, you fight, you fight through it. But I, I do remember the right. squad base too. And I, I remember them. I still remember a squad bay where I was in and I was, I was in charge. I would, I, we called the platoon guide at the time, basic we're at squad bay. Oh, yeah. And, um, Somehow we got some Skittles somewhere. We snuck them. <clears throat> I don't know. And I, I remember laying there and I was so tired because I was trying to be the platoon guide or the platoon and trying to run the platoon. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm some just being in the army for, what, for four weeks now. And my best friend, Matt, he got some Skittles from somebody. He, they smuggled them in somehow. And I remember just laying there and I'm, I'm half asleep. And this hand, I remember it touched my forehead. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what the fuck is going on in this? And all of a sudden, it, the hand comes from the top. And all I feel is somebody trying to put Skittles in my mouth. And it was my buddy, Matt. He's like, he's like, dude, you need these more than I do. And he was, what? I mean, it was, oh, no. honestly, you think back now, it was a bit sexual, but it was also pretty fucking cool. It was like, <laughs> and I remember, I just remember half asleep sucking on skittles going arr, 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 like this is the greatest day ever arr, and then going right back to sleep and waking up like four hours later to do my damn fire guard duty but uh it's those stories in open bay yeah. you know you, you, it's those it's those got by with that yeah <laughs> i remember one time uh just go back boot camp real quick um Usually they send two Marines out. They'll eat lunch first, come back, and they're the the fire watch, yeah, fire watch, right? Yeah. For the because yeah. you got the rifle racks in your squad base still. Yeah, our, our, Army's the same way. It was at that time, same thing. Yeah, yeah. So we went out. This other guy, I don't remember his name, and we went and ate. And he went to go dump his tray, and he came back, and we, you know, probably ran all the way back to the barracks. And by the time we got back. The, the drill instructor took us outside. He would it just started to thrash the piss out of us. Uh, it's like a sand pit outside the barracks and pull up bars and all this stuff, just thrashing. And I guess this guy I went with somehow when he dumped his tray, found some ice cream and he woofed it down. I didn't even know what happened, but I was with him. So I got thrashed, you know, destroyed with it. Um, so I, that's when I thought you were talking about Skittles. I thought you were about to go to that direction. And I was like, I've done that. But I didn't get the, uh, you know, the luxury of no, we, the ice cream. We, we yeah, we, I, we got lucky cause it was like at 1am and it was his fire watch. Oh, so he's doing his walk and yeah, that was, that's to remember that. That's to remember even the way it tasted and just like the weirdness of a hand or something grazing my forehead down to my nose go and me thinking what the fuck is going on your brain goes to some weird places especially when you're in a open bay with 30 dudes that are 
basically in their shorts and in a PT top. And it's like, okay, this is, am I going to have to fight? What's going on here? And, but then the Skittles and, and I heard his voice, his buddy, Matt. Well, like, yeah, it sounded like you liked it. I I do it again. I do it again. Right. No problem. Um, hey, Phil, so um, I, I know you have like, you know, deployments from it as a contractor. Right. Did, did you do any deployments as a Marine? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, so, uh, in the Marine Corps and I, am pretty sure they still do it. It might've changed a little bit during, um, you know, the Iraq and Afghanistan years when it was hot, but so you do med, well, East coast does med floats, West coast does West packs. And basically your battalion is, you know, embarked on ships for six months and then you pretty much patrol, <clears throat> Uh, a specific region and for the east coast it's usually in the mediterranean so you get on the it, it's like a six-month workup before because wow. you bring in a lot of other elements so it's you know it's an infantry battalion but then you've got like an artillery section and you've got uh, armored vehicles and then you got uh helos and you got a bunch of different things going on so it takes like six-month workup and you get checked off on all these different missions and some of them are like, you know, embassy evacuations and that kind of thing. Oh, uh, sure. Hey, listen to that. Embassy evacuations. Know, right? And there's a Marine Corps yeah. boat in the Mediterranean. Hey, but nobody's available, it's right? Yeah, I know. Isn't yeah. Oh, nobody's there. Oh, but yeah, we've been doing it since the 90s. So yeah, they just well, took the week off since for the last 30. Not, uh, not, only, that, <laughs> not only that, you know, Fast Company. Yeah. They used to have a fast company in Italy or Rota, Spain. They were they were in both, but we had one. Remember. Actually, that night we had one in Sig. Yeah. I, I knew I taught. We were talking to Sig and, yeah. and we had one, and we also had one in Rota. We had one in Spain as well. We had yeah. two, and we had a met. Nah, yeah. there was probably a meth somewhere, unless they were. You know, some of the meths during Iraq and Afghanistan just went straight there. Well, that, there they, was they, one they in the Red Sea. There. there was one in the Red Sea as well. Because I knew the guys that yeah. were on it. I knew a couple of the guys that were on that one in the Red Sea right. and, and the and the Marine MEF guys, the Marine Expeditionary Forces. Those guys, yep. they're they're Embassy of Ac. They're the ones that fucking. Yeah. And yep. no, we did. We had we had Marines all over the place, and not oh, yeah. to mention. So no, but I'm sorry. I, I just <laughs> thought I thought it was funny just to kind of rolled into kind of what we might get down the line and talk about down the right. line. No, it, but uh, yeah, that's that's definitely the case, and it, yeah, a whole nother. We'll, we'll get to that one. Um, but, you know, in my time, I was in during, you know, the Clinton years. It was pretty much peacetime. Uh, 95% of my uh, time in was was peacetime. But, uh, you know, it was still fun because you would, about every week or so, you would stop and do a training op with whatever that local, you know, That's cool. military was, was, whether it was Greece or Spain or Italy. And then after that, you'd have maybe two days of libo, you know, wow. in the same country out of port. Um, and you pretty much did that for six months and then come back across the Atlantic. But, uh, yeah, that was a good time. Um, you got to like I said, interact with a lot of a lot of the, the NATO partners and, and some other partners. And then, you know, got to do the tourist thing on top of it at the end of it. Next up, this is from episode 100, which was an epic one. None other than Army Ranger Hall of Famer, Max Howard, Mad Max Mullen, of course, Max Mullen, talking about Desert One 
which many of you know as Operation Eagle Claw. Back then, it was a lot different. We jumped every Monday. Yeah, that sucks. We jumping jumping sucks. Yeah, that was. that you were like an? I mean, really like a a paratrooper unit back then. Oh yeah, it was. It was real McCoy. We we jumped every Monday, right? And we stay in the field from Monday through Wednesday. Come back um, Thursday. Then we clean weapons on Friday. And so then that following, we we reverse. We did the cycle. We jumped. And while you're, believe it or not, back in the day when you're in pre-ranger, I mean in RIP, you probably left RIP with around 20, 25 jumps before you even yeah. went to battalion. Yeah. Because you're proficient. Because at that time, we had the T10, um, T10 parachutes and jumping Dash 1 Bravos at that time. Okay. And so, um, you know, we, we did a lot of field exercises, um, a, a lot of deployments. And we constantly stayed busy because at that time, you may only have 1st and 2nd Ranger Battalion. And um, first bat, we we never work with second bat. You know, those are the guys on the West Coast. Well, yeah, there's it's it's so hard the logistics because you're yeah. on, you're you're in Georgia, they're up in Washington, and and yeah, you're right. At that time, third bat didn't exist. At that time, they hadn't, they hadn't been they yeah. hadn't been coming up. So yeah, and Savannah, it, your training, your guys' training cycles were unbelievable, man. Did you do any kind of? Were you doing any sort of rotary wing stuff at that time? Because I don't think 100, task force didn't exist at that time no, either. At, at the time, you, yeah. you only have first second time. We, we fell under the Joint Chiefs of Staff. You, okay. You didn't have no JSOC, you know, none of this would they've been in existence. You just had first, second bet, you had SF, and Delta was just in its infancy, right? At that time, okay. you know, because Beckwith would come down and they have, you know, and they come down to get a brief who wants to go Delta. And so Delta was just really in its infancy, right? They just finished okay. doing their, they're just really just finished standing up. And so um, the big thing that happened back then was Desert One. Right, uh, Rudy, yeah. and they, that, that was the big deal that happened there. Yeah. And so, um, Charlie Company, under the leadership of um, Captain Grange, General Grange's son, they had the mission um, of going over there to provide airfield security. Yeah. Also, a, a quick reactionary force, and so they went off and did their own thing. It's like, hey, what, what's what's Charlie Company doing? <laughs> and you know, then all of a sudden, start seeing M five five one jeeps start appearing, and uh, what the, what they're doing? What they're doing? What they're doing? And so they just disappeared. And I remember I was coming from the club, and um, at that time, we had the, you know the day room, you had your mailbox up there. Yeah. And Charlie Company just returned from from oh, I think either Egypt or Oman, just right after the debacle, you know, after the yeah. you know what yeah. happened out there on Desert One, and they were cleaning weapons. I'm like, damn, I got my my club my club clothes. And I said, damn, brother, what happened? And so <laughs> one of the guys, right, um. Uh, he, he, we we're really tight brothers, right? And um, I said, "What happened?" He said, "Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I was out there. I was on the on the blocking team, man. Boom, man." So he told me what happened. He said, "Yeah, a Iranian bus came up, and I got on there, and and um, the Iranian said, who are you guys?'" He said, "We're Nigerian commandos." <laughs> I said, "Wow, yeah." He said, "Yeah, we're Nigerian commandos." He said, then, then it was the big explosion. He said, "It was like boom." It was like everybody started running for the aircraft and let those guys go. Wow. And um, so right after that, that is when the battalion changed forever. I remember yeah. out there at 29 yeah. Palms, we were out there at 29 Palms doing desert training. And all of a sudden we had a company formation. And I remember our CEO, it had the whole company lined up. And he said, okay, we want all the M203s right here. We want all the M60s here. We want all the MP5s here. We want all these weapon systems here and so forth. And then he said, okay, you know, 
first platoon, you guys are going to be called jump clearing. What, what, what? Jump what? Second platoon, you're going to be doing this, you know, blocking position. Then we brought out the Jeeps. Then they brought out the motorcycles. And then we started. Wow. That, that, yeah. That's where it started right there. So when we were out there in uh, 29 Palms, that's when we started doing it. We started, that's when we had the first generation NBGs and we had the Jeeps that had the Jeeps. They had M202 flashes on there and um, we had the M60 machine gun and just loaded up with laws and in the uh, milk crates. And so we started doing, you know, jump clearing. We started doing that. Stuff. You started doing the, that was when you started doing the airfield seizures. Airfield seizures. And exactly. all, yeah, all, all, all that. Yeah, that and that was that was all from from Desert One is in where, where that got big. Yeah. And um, for those yeah, if you guys, I know we don't got a ton of time. If you search Desert One, you'll see it. It was it's where really JSOC started. Where where they're like, hey man, we got to get a coordinated. We got to get some coordination between all these units because because yeah, we and, can't have and this I'll thing even, uh, again. I'll even throw a little plug to our friends over at the team house because I, I know they've interviewed some guys who have been involved in Desert One. Like I believe Mike Vining, right? I think he had a part in Desert Vining. One. Vining. Yeah, a lot yeah. of those guys from that era. Matter of Foundation. Just um, a week and a half ago, we hosted. The Desert One. We had the uh, we had four of the Delta operators. We had a couple of the guys. We had two of the embassy guards, Marine embassy guards. We had two of the hostages. And this was the first time all these guys were together. Wow! You know, ever met each other at one time, and it was pretty emotional. Wow. Hope that you're enjoying this episode so far. This episode is sponsored by our great friends at Bubs Naturals. I got to tell you, with this weather getting very chilly. My favorite treat that's good for you because of the collagen in there is making myself this time of year a hot chocolate with some hot chocolate that I buy from wherever I'm shopping. And I'll mix that in with the Bubs Naturals collagen protein. So I'm getting my protein in and that is like a very tasty after gym treat that you feel like you've earned and you're doing your body well because there's so many supplements on the market, but really getting a clean and healthy grass-fed collagen. It's hard to find, and this is the best one out there, Bubs Naturals. We've been with them for a while now, and of course, if you know the mission, they give back to the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation, the namesake of Bubs Naturals, Glenn Bub Doherty. So check them out. They also have the MCT oil powder. If you're looking to cleanse your body, they have the apple cider vinegar gummies, a lot of great information, and you can check that all out on the site, which is bubsnaturals.com. You can find their stuff in stores, but the best deal you're going to get is through us when you go to bubsnaturals.com and you use the promo code BATTLEON. You're going to get 20% off. So that's bubsnaturals.com, promo code BATTLEON. This show is also sponsored by Fort Scott Munitions, like every show. I'm at the Fort Scott Munitions facility, or getting back from it as you hear this. And man, it is awesome. We love that family. We love the company and what they do. Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results 
with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states. Go to fsm.com. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. That's fsm.com. Promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE podcast. Now, uh, we have a lot of crossover, of course, with the team house. A lot of you are familiar with Jack Murphy. But a lot of you don't know Dave Park's background, the other host of the team house, because unlike Jack, he doesn't have a book out and, you know, he's not a journalist. He does his other full-time stuff on the side and does that show, but he's a guy who served in all three major branches of the military. He's been in the army as an army ranger. He's been a Marine Navy diver. The guy's career is absolutely tremendous. So here's Dave Park from back on episode 70 in studio with me. And this gets into him joining all three branches, as I said, and ultimately becoming an Army Ranger. So I went to the Marine Corps first, and I was a Marine Corps reservist. I was uh, an Anglico, um, and I was only there for a year when the Gulf when the Gulf War started, the first Gulf War. Mm-hmm. And you know, we thought we were going to war, and I wasn't airborne qualified at the time. I was I had been through like Marine boot, and then the uh, Air Naval gunfire training and stuff like that. So I'm sorry, just to give timeline. So yeah. You, when, where did you start? I started in the Marine Corps uh, when I was 19. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Uh, and the Marine Corps Reserve, because I didn't know if, you know, when, you're, when you've never been in the military, I think, at least for me, I thought every day was going to be like boot camp, right? I thought that was what the military was like. <laughs> and so I didn't know if I would, I, I had thought about the military when I was, you know, when I was younger, um, but it wasn't until I was doing sales when I was 19. I'd moved out to California and I was bored. And I was like, you know, and I was walking around like I think the Torrance Mall one day and there was a recruiting officer office. I was like, I'm going to go join the, the Marines, you know, because in my mind, like the Marines were the toughest and I wanted to like do that. And so I signed up for it and, you know, and you know how a recruiter is. Oh, you know, you – you should go, yeah. you know, take – be a linguist or do this or do that. And I'm like, well, I want to jump out of airplanes. And he goes, no, but Marines don't jump out of airplanes. And I go, well, that's what I want to do. And um, so finally he goes, okay, well, there's a unit that does jump out of airplanes. And so I signed up for Anglico, went to Marine Boot, uh, went to Fort Sill for artillery. Mm-hmm. I think I went out to Coronado for naval gunfire and then went to my unit. And, you know, that was a drill situation. So it was, and then the Gulf War started, but I hadn't been to jump school yet. So I wasn't going to be on a thick team or a Ford uh, control team or whatever. And, uh, and you know, we thought we were going to be at war for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was a week. Wasn't it a week yeah. or something like yeah. that? I mean, he's just like, bam, we're done. So in that week, I tried to go active duty Marines, but they wouldn't take me because they considered me prior service and they weren't taking prior service at the time. Huh. So, you know, having been through Marine boot camp, the the only respectable thing to do was to either be a Marine or to be a Navy corpsman. So I so I transferred. So I joined the Navy like my unit released me conditionally and I went to the Navy and I went 
back through Navy boot camp, like all of so, Navy boot camp. So you went back through Great Lakes. You had to go through Great Lakes. And no, I went. You, I went back to San Diego. I did both. So when my, they, I did both my boot camps in San Diego. So when they still had boot camp, yep, yep, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. I, I know we're old as shit, dude. Old as dirt. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. do, do, do they not have Navy boot camp in San Diego? No, it's all at Great Lakes. Oh, now. is it? I didn't all, know that. all of it. All of it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Navy guys, but as far as I I know now, yeah, it's 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 all all in Great Lakes, Michigan. That would be like we would hear about how miserable it was there. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, Chicago. It's yeah, North Chicago. Yeah. San Diego was great. San Diego, I mean, anywhere you go through uh, Marine boot camp, it's going to suck. I'm sure Paris Island sucked more than San Diego. But, you know, when you're standing out on the on the grinder for hours and hours and hours, it doesn't matter where you are. Your feet are going to, like, blister. Yeah. You know? um, but, yeah, so I went to Navy boot camp. I went to core school in San Diego, Corman School uh, in San Diego. And by the time I finished core school, the war was over, right? So uh, my whole – my big dream was to go be a corpsman with the Marines. And I couldn't get to the Marines because they had flooded the Marines with corpsmen in, oh, wow. you know, in uh, anticipation of the war sure. and casualties. Um, so – I was at Balboa Hospital for a while trying to figure out where I was going to go. I didn't have like a follow on and I worked like in the ER for a bit and then I worked uh, – I got to know like the career counselor and she liked me. So she sent – you know, she goes, well, what do you want to do? And I go, well, you know, being a diver would be cool. So she sent me to dive school. And uh, so for – that was – I was a dive medical technician. So my school was actually second class dive school, first class dive school and then dive medicine. So it was like a, a full like eight, nine months uh, of wow. training. And then um, and then, then I was aboard the USS Samuel Gompers for, you know, for a few years. Yeah. What? Because this is and a lot of people and even me, it's 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 uh, as far as being a corpsman and Navy dive corpsman. What I, I've always been interested. What do they teach you? when you're going through medical treatment underwater, how does that, I mean, talk about that. I mean, everything I've done goat lab, I've done everything above water. Right. I'm not, a, I'm not a medic, right. Really, but enough that uh, the training that we had to go through being the, and you know, the units we were with. So, yeah. but I've never had to do that. How does that differentiate from being on land? What makes it more difficult besides obviously beer in water? How do you do that? Right. I mean, I, I, that, to me, that's just sounds so intense. Right. So, so with dive medicine, it, it's not really something you do in the water. Like the idea is to get somebody who um, who is either injured or uh, or because you know it's it's industrial work, right? You're working yeah. around heavy items, you're doing yeah. a lot of cutting yeah. or, or you know ship's husbandry things like that. So the idea is you, either they're injured or when they when they surface, they have some sort of dive illness. You know a you know. Um, Decompression sickness. Like decompression, or, the right. bends or something like that. Exactly. Yep, yep. Exactly. So a lot of it is about identification of those types of things and then the treatment. And the treatment is pressure oriented. So, you know, you get them into a pressure chamber and you slam them down. Um, so it, it has a lot to do with dive traumas, um, gotcha. understanding those, understanding how to treat them. Um, yeah, it's. It, I mean, it was a. It was an amazing course. It was a great course. Oh, I bet. I bet. I just. I can't even imagine the, adding that variable into a broken arm. How much more difficult 
just being underwater with a broken arm, what you have to do to address that. I mean, you, where are you going to splint it? Well, go find some, go find some two branches, two tree branches, and we got some tape or you can, you don't have that underwater. Right. And, and the thing is, is somebody does get hurt underwater, then a lot of times that will lead to a dive illness, which is a, which is a compounding type of issue. Wow. Yeah, so, thought of that. yeah. So if they get hurt, like they might, if they lose consciousness, if, if, you know, things like that happen, then, you know, they might come up too quickly or they may not, you, maybe they can't do a decompression stop or whatever else. So now not only are you dealing with the trauma, but you're dealing with the pressure related illness. Wow. So any treatment of the trauma you're doing, you have, you may have to do inside the chamber, depending on, you know, on, depending on how serious their diving illness is. Right. So, yeah, but it was, it was a great job. Um, uh, the Navy, like I had so much fun, you know, um, it, it, it is obviously a very different experience than, than Ranger Battalion is, um, you know, shipboard life is, um, is, is different. You know, you're, li- you're basically living in an industrial environment, you know, almost like in a factory or something like that. Um, wow. yeah, it was just, it was great. You know, our dive locker had like maybe nine guys at any given time in it and super, super tight, super close. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> I left the Navy and when I left the Navy, I was, I was planning on going to pararescue because I was already in the medical field and, yeah. you know, and so, mm-hmm. so that's when I went to Moffitt and just got tired of, of waiting for, um, to get like accepted into the pipeline, you know, I mean, it, it, like scheduling the physicals and cause you have to do the hyperbarics yep. and, and everything yep. like that. And, um, and it they were great guys. It was a great unit. Uh, they do, I mean, they did a lot of amazing stuff. And even during like a peacetime military, you know, those pararescue units are always busy. Busy. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. and they're just really, really skilled individuals. Um, and so I went and joined an SF unit, but unfortunately, that unit had just gone from reserve to guard, like all the SF uh, units had at the yeah, time. Yeah, so yeah. they were also having an issue, like getting guys into their pipeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was just a big, you know, all this sort of administrative stuff going on. So I was there for like probably a year, um, you know. And, and you're, you're in the, the, the long tab prep, basically, what, 19th or 20th group? And yeah. You're in that. Where you go and you're just prepped to go to yep. go to Q course. You're yep. prepped to go to selection. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We had guys in that too, and I was in IT group, and it it's great for them. But it's just God. It can be a year or two years of just coming and getting your ass smoked. Yeah. Every, yeah. <laughs> and that's what it was. Weekend. It was fifth of the nineteenth, and it had uh, you know it had moved from Offit to I think San Francisco <laughs> or somewhere near. I can't remember okay. now. Um, but yeah, we just waited and, you know, we went to like pre SFAS and, you know, and, you know, I did my PLDC then and stuff like that. Um, but finally I'm like, ah, when, what was funny is during that time, I, I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to join the French foreign legion. That's what I'm going to (laughs) do. So, you know, I, I, I mailed off, you know, I sent off, I got their address and I sent off and they send you this information packet back about, what, how you get there, you have fly there and they tell you like which train or bus to take and how to get to their office and, you know, all the, all this stuff. And during that time, there were still bookstores, you know, there aren't that many bookstores now, but <laughs> there were still bookstores. And so I would like go to the bookstores and just sit like a Barnes and Noble or whatever and just sit and read, you know, these books on the French Foreign Legion. And it was almost like, and and they didn't surrender and they died to a man and they didn't <laughs> surrender and they died to a man 
and I was like, man, that doesn't sound too amazing to me. <laughs> like, it just didn't sound awesome. Yeah. And so I was, you know, there were a couple of former Rangers in my SF yeah. unit. And, uh, and they were both like, dude, you know, if you want to, like, just really go live the life you yeah. know, and do it and be it, you know, go be a Ranger. I was like, okay, cool. So I enlisted in the Army. Um, and... I mean, I got lucky because like a dumb dumb, I even knowing everything I knew about um, enlisting and, and the chance you take, I didn't get a ranger contract. You didn't get a ranger contract. I, I went wow. in, I went in 18 x-ray or not, not 18 oh. x-ray. That's dumb. Um, 11, 11 x-ray. 11 which, x-ray. Right. Yep. Which was like yep. open. Like they could assign you yep. needs of yep. the army. I could have yep. been, you know, a mechanized infantry or yeah, a mortarman. Could have been a Charlie or a Mike. I mean, that's what happened. Guys going an extra. If you don't have 11 Bravo yeah. popped on with the, now it's option 40, but at my time it was when we were, it was just a rip contract. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. You, yeah. you would get pushed off to, to, to Fort, Fort, uh, Fort Hood, or you get pushed off and be a Charlie and go up to go up to 10th mountain and carry mortars around the mountains all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You man. know, I mean, I really, wow. you know, not even thinking about it because I just figured, well, I'll get there and, you know, I'll do well in, in basic and I'll, Go to Airborne and, you know, I'll volunteer and all this stuff. Um, and fortunately, that's how it happened. Um, you did? You got your slot after Airborne? I mean, after Airborne, they, holy shit. Yeah. They, oh my gosh. They, yeah, yeah, dude, you got lucky. Guys. I, I got, Most of those guys go to 82nd. They're like, no, nope, you're getting out of Go to 82nd. Yeah. Yeah. I got, oh, wow. you know, super lucky. And so, yeah. So then I went to 2nd Ranger Battalion and, um, you know, uh, um, spent a year on the line and then <clears throat> went to the sniper section. And I don't know how they're set up now. And, and just before I had gotten there, this is, I, uh, this is 97. Just before I got there, the snipers had been a company level asset. Company. Yep. Yep. Um, and they had, they had just moved to, uh, HHC. Yep. And, um, and so then that, you know, went over. Yeah. That's how it was when I was there. They they were company, they, and they but they kept popping them. They'd be like, well, we'll put them with the company asset again. Right. No, let's put them back in HHC. And when I left, they were back with HHC. And I think they still are. But, you know, and, and you probably know this as well. They've developed a, a Delta company now. Which yeah, is I've now, heard that. Yeah, which is, which is like a, they're almost, they've kind of modeled it off, of, I, I'm assuming, off of SF with their own support people. Right. So Rangers have their own support guys now, but I think Snipers is part of that. But again, I, I dude, I'm saying, I've been out so long. That yeah. Many, and, and, you know, and, and like, you know, I met a lot of Rangers and, and worked with, with Rangers, you know, overseas, you know, in theater. And Ra Ranger Battalions, like, or regiments, a very different place now. Um, it's very professionalized. Yeah. Um, they really take, they seem to take really good care of the guys. Um, they, you, there are options, you know, for yeah. if, you know, for growth, you know, their dog teams yeah. or their interrogation yeah. teams or all, all, you know, all these different things that really were not, you know, available. No, we we were grunt. I mean, we we're we we're in the line, or you're in a weapon squad, right? Or sniper, yeah. Or you're, or you're pushing a mortar plate for thirty miles, right? You know, it's just, but to say that that's a bad thing, I, I don't think it was. I, I don't think it was bad because it, it did it did make you tough as hell, right? I mean, it made you was salty and tough. But you're right; those options work there. I and what I saw when I was with GRS at the time, and we were working sometimes with or around or with task force or what was going on and why they went that way from my, from my outward view. Cause I wasn't part of them at the time I was working with the agency at the time. Um, 
it was because Delta and SEAL Team 6 were turning down so many missions that Rangers were just grabbing everything and they were just realizing, hey, wait a second, we are big boys. We Okay, now we need to develop where we're all self-sufficient, where we don't have to ask for support and that we can have other assets so we don't have to go borrow a canine team. Right. We don't have to go borrow uh, a, a recon unit. We've got our RD that's available and RD works for everybody. They're, they're awesome. But it was like, let's just become self-sufficient. Screw everybody else. Let's right. just do it. And I, I saw that as well. And I was like, man, I was kind of jealous, like shit. Right. Well, and can I, yeah. And, and can I rejoin? Yeah. I was, I, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I, and I was going to say like with you talk about RRD, you know, RRD went from uh, the Ranger Regimental Detachment uh, or I'm sorry. Recon, uh, ra- recon. Ra- yep. Yeah. The Regimental Recon, right? Uh, regimental yep. Recon yep. Detachment yep. 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 Um, went from a regimental uh, lo- from a regiment level asset to supporting, you know, the regiment to, to a national level asset yeah. where, so calm. where they had almost nothing to do at times with regiment. So I guess the battalions stood up their own recce, uh, they units. Have, they're back to where, well, you know, that was the same thing. We had a recce unit. Then we did. Then recce and snipers were the same. And then snipers were recce. But when I left, they were standing up the recce unit again right. at a regimental side because RD got pushed to McDill. They right. got pushed and now they were a SOCOM element. And and that's another thing I think people that, that don't know Ranger Battalion, if they would study a little bit, regimental recon is probably, to me, I, it's probably one of the best, if not the best recon unit. I, I I think, at least in our service, they are incredible. And their, their, their tryouts, their vetting process is Jesus, it's it's unbelievable. The, the, uh, they really are. I mean, unacknowledged. Like, I mean, studs. They, yeah, yeah. they, and like you say, they're really, really good at what they do, and almost nobody knows about them. Nobody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember we, you wouldn't know if you're at battalion. And we're in the high and tight days unless you saw a guy walking by with long hair yeah. and he had his tab and his scroll and. Like who the hell is that guy? And, yeah. you, like, and his halo, out. yeah. And his he's got yeah. his halo wings and like long hair, halo wings. The first time I saw our D guy come back through, and I was like, who the? F- how come he gets long hair and he's got his E six or Z seven? And then like that's R D dude. And then I started to look at that like, my gosh, yeah, okay, he he deserves to do whatever the hell he wants. To yeah, do. yeah. But, uh, but with when you got in the army and you stayed at regiment, you know, you you've done those three things. Did you not want to stay and time ran out or did you find, I mean, I, what happened after that? I, cause, cause you were doing, well, I mean, you basically had everything you could have wanted, all the experience that you wanted and moving up in leadership, man. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm a dilettante, you know, and <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm never like that satisfied. It's not that it's not, it was a sort, sort of the same when I was in the Navy, I was at a position where, if I would have went like uh, independent duty corpsman, which is almost like an 18 Delta only in, you know, mm-hmm. more of a naval capacity, but it's a long course where, you know, sort of just under a PA, I guess, in, in what they yep. do. Um, I actually, um, uh, so I was actually a, a participant in a bar fight. Um, <laughs> it happens. It happens. Was it, was it in Tacoma? South, was it in Puyallup? Uh, Tacoma? Oh, they were always in, in Seattle. T- it, they were always in Tacoma. Always in Tacoma. No, yeah, well, not always. Sometimes in Seattle, but but almost. But anyway, uh, a good friend of mine um, got into an altercation. And levels? What was the bar? Levels? Uh, no, it was it was it not 
not Mad Dog. Something, <laughs> something like that. I'm thinking like Mad Dog in the Fog in Hong Kong, but um, it, I can't remember. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm reminiscing. The, the listeners are like, Tano, shut the hell up. Let him talk. <laughs> no, no. Like, I'm, I'm just reminiscing because I'm remembering all that down there. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, you know, there were always bar fights, mm-hmm. you know, always. Um, was Levels the one on the corner with the glass yeah. windows? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. One, yeah. We, we've had, I mean, there were like multi-block brawls <laughs> there where, because in order to get back to battalion in order to get back to the base um you passed by that bar going to the freeway on the way yeah. to the freeway so so i want to remember one night in particular when uh events happened and so the sniper section was involved in this brawl that was on the streets and spilled out and cars driving by would slam on their brakes and high end, you know, doors would fly open and dudes with high end tights would run out and start hitting anybody that didn't have a high end tight. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy. Um, those and very interesting days. Um, but, um, but no, a friend of mine got an altercation spilled out on the street and, um, to a precursor to this is selection was the the screening team was coming out to like run okay. the PT test to go to selection. And at the time I thought, okay, well I'm either gonna go to selection or you know, get into uh you know, get into Delta or or yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go to college. So I you know, took my SATs and you know, started applying to colleges and things like that. Um but before the selection team got there, like three or four weeks before they got there, um I got in an altercation. It spilled it. It's just me and a buddy. We finished the altercation. Um, but the you, bal- you can't go into detail about. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, my buddy Brad, um, was one of those guys. He was, you know, uh, kind of tall, um, kind of lanky, but not like, not like a real, like, you know, big guy. But- but he was just one of those guys who was like a knockout artist, right? I mean, every time he connected, he'd just like floor somebody. And so I don't, I don't exactly know what the circumstances were that <laughs> led to. I was like dancing with some girl. I don't know what the circumstances <laughs> were that led to the fight inside, but I know that Brad was so drunk that he could barely stand up. But he, he, but he laid this guy out, and then he comes up to me and goes, "We gotta go, we gotta go." And I'm like, "Okay." So we're leaving the bar. We get outside. And like three or four dudes come out and they all, you know, the, yeah. this guy's friends. So we get into it with them. Um, and are these military guys or who knows? Okay. You know, like who knows? Like some, sometime, you know, cause other, other units at, at, um, Fort Lewis didn't have high end tights. So it was hard to tell when, you know, when it's other yeah. military guys or whatever. Um, sometimes it was, um, uh, but sometimes it wasn't. So, um, so anyway, so, you know, we, we, you know, we, we fight these guys and, you know, then we're done and we finish them off. But then the bouncers come out and, you know, they're like, you guys got to go, blah, blah. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, Brad could barely walk. So like, I've got him over his arm over my shoulder and we're walking down the street and these bouncers are still following us. Um, and this one bouncer who was very large, like very, very large, probably pushing 300 pounds, um, is yelling at us and the other two kind of bouncers are like walking behind him trying to tell him to calm down. And then about a half a block away from the bar, he just kind of rushes us from behind and hits me in the back. And, you know, I go down and, uh, 
Brad goes flying and, you know, my wrist kind of hurt, but I was like, whatever. So I get up and I start talking smack and he's talking smack and finally other bouncers pull them off. And then I get Brad and we go. Um, well, it turned out I broke my scaphoid in my wrist, right? Oh, which wow. is like a, which is like a skateboard accident when you fall sort of flat handed. Um, and so I had surgery to repair it and cast it. So now I'm in a cast, like a half cast or a cast going up to my, you know, palm <clears throat> and the selection team comes yeah. around and, and they, and they don't reschedule. You're, you're either, you, you do it or you don't. Right. And it, it doesn't right. matter if you have a broken leg or not. If you want in, we're not rescheduling it for you and we it, won't be back for who knows. Exactly. So I did it. Um, and I passed, you know, I mean, I was doing just, you know, you're fit, yep. you know, when you're in, you're yeah. fit. Um, but my the sniper section leader, you know, was very familiar with Green or with Delta, and yeah, and he was like, and he had been actually training me up. He'd been taking me out during PT in the mornings and and rucking with me and things like that. And he's like, "You're not going to go." And I'm like, "Well, they said I could because when I went, I said, hey, can I go with this?'" And they're like, "You can do whatever you want. You know, uh, you're not going to. We're not going to make any special allowances for you, but you can do whatever you want." So I passed the PT test, but then my my sniper leader was like, the section leader was like, "You're not going to go." Um, and I'm like, but I, I can do it. And he goes, you can't, he goes, you need both hands. Like, you know, you're going in the fall and the, you know, the terrain is nasty. The hills are slippery. You've got to be able to grab hold of stuff. You're just going to hurt yourself more. You're not going to make a good showing. Like you're not going to go. And so I respected what, you know, he was saying. Sure. So, um, I, so I decided, okay, well, I'll just go to college. And, um, so I applied to, you know, of course, being you know uh, having having an overestimated opinion of myself, <laughs> um, I applied to uh, Harvard, Columbia, and Georgetown, and that was it, right? Um, and I didn't get into Georgetown. I got waitlisted at Harvard, and I got accepted into Columbia. Which is where Jack Murphy went. Right, yeah. right. And so that's what I was planning on doing. But I wanted – and for some reason in my mind, and this is um, early 2000 when I got out, and I was like, well, uh, I want to major in poli-sci, and I don't know why, right? I want to major in poli-sci and uh, learn Arabic. But I don't want to learn Arabic – uh, in college, like I want the military, I want to go to DLI. Oh. I want to go to the, you know, D-Lab. Yeah. yeah. And so I started calling around all these national guard units, intelligence guard units, you know, every place to find a military intelligence unit that would send me to DLI. And the problem is every recruiter I called, like a statewide recruiter or whatever would, when they, when they found out that I was, you know, ranger tabbed and, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they'd be like oh you know we have an air assault unit uh you know we'll make we'll promote you to e6 right away and we'll give you an e7 billet and i'm like i, I don't want to be in your air assault unit like i want to <laughs> i want to learn arabic so finally i found a uh sot a team a special operations yep. uh, uh special operations team alpha which okay. is the SIGINT portion of like a a um, special like- forces group like ODA, they're they're they they they're a support for the ODA teams. Right, the ODAs, they're 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 their intel, they're SIG intel guys. They're, right, and a lot of a lot of them are pretty pretty solid guys. I mean, there's some dirt bags on there, but there's a lot that are just young guys that are motivated that are waiting for a long tab slot. They get in there. Some right. of them are even tabbed. Well, yeah. they're so so they're supposed to be tabbed. That's one of the things. SOT A's, you know, because they're SIG enters, you know, they're they're intelligence people. 
um, who go into an, an operational capacity, which, which, you know, most Intel yeah. people don't. And, and, and for the audience, I know human is human intelligence. Well, I, I, I know of SIGINT. What's the sure, – Sure. That's, so it's signals intelligence. Got it. OK. Right. Um, so – What's the difference for, you know – So human deals with people, right? Yeah. You, you run sources, uh, human beings, or, you know, you – you collect from people with signals intelligence. You know, that's like the NSA, right? They collect and, and, and a lot of signatures go to the NSA. That's their, their assignment, their duty assignment. Um, so it, you're wearing a, a set of headphones and maybe listening to telephone communications or listening to radio traffic or whatever else. So you need to be a linguist. Um, and then you also need to be trained in understanding, you know, different types of, uh, radio transmissions and things like that to know what you're listening to. Um, so they said they would send me to DLI to the Defense Language Institute. Um, and so I left, uh, Ranger Battalion in like March of 2000, drove cross country for a drill to meet my team and drove back and started DLI in like April of 2000, like a month later. And it was funny going from like Ranger Battalion to DLI because you know, they told me where my, where my barracks was. Um, and so I walk in this building and the first thing I encounter is a female, you know, a female soldier. And, and I'm trying, I'm dragging like two duffel bags and I'm, and I, I go flush. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> like I, I walked in the wrong place. Like I'm all, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Like I, I thought I'd walked into the female barracks and, um, and she goes, hi. And I go, Hi, she goes, <laughs> she goes, can I, you know, what you look lost. And I said, yeah, right here. It says it, th that I'm in this building and that's my room. Um, but I, it must be wrong. She goes, there's no, co there's no co-ed. We don't know no co-ed. Yeah. Come and she on, goes, no well, that, and she, she takes my sheet and she goes, no, that's your room. I'm like, really? <laughs> and. <laughs> And I called my friends, you know, I went in to my room. Well, I, there, and, uh, you know, I was right by the day room. I went in and dropped my bags and I walked in the day room and there were, there was a group of guys and girls sitting around. And I walked back in my room and I, and I call, you know, my, one of my buddies at Ranger Battalion and I tell him, Hey, get everybody on the phone, you know, in the sniper suit. <laughs> and they all get on the phone. And I guys, dude, you guys have got to get to DLI. <laughs> you have got to get here. So I'm going to assume that the woman is pretty attractive too then, or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it, he's a, he's a, come on. He's a, he's a, he's a Joe, man. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Cause especially coming from Ranger Battalion where you go through the gates, you don't see a woman again till you leave, leave the gate. Right. It's just, that's just not, that's not normal. Right. It, it's, it is, it's a shock to the system. It, I, I, yeah. It, it, it was, it was distracting. If you've ever seen the movie Black Hawk Down, then you're familiar with Dale Sizemore's character portrayed in there, uh, ripping off the bandage, ripping off the cast, and going back into battle. Uh, this is what that's about, that Black Hawk Down life combat in Somalia. This is Dale Sizemore, Army Ranger. Yes, another Army Ranger. They're, they're popular with you guys, so I got to book more Army Rangers. I got to take note of this. Dale Sizemore from Episode 107. So, so what happened is this. So, and, and actually, um, Colonel Harrell, um, I, his son just contacted me and wants me to write that story down, uh, you know, for the Colonel. So, um, or I, he's not a Colonel anymore, but anyway, 
he was a the squadron commander and he uh, uh we were having a volleyball game so we were attacking all our um all our commanders and and hog tying them to to litters and you know dump ice cold water over them and, and you know we, we played this volleyball game which you know obviously we won you know it wasn't even close uh, <laughs> thank god <laughs> so anyway um colonel harold's the last one and to me and about 10 rangers you know we're there motivated fucking privates and i'm like fuck yeah we're gonna take this motherfucker down and and <clears throat> I'm like, on a count of three, we're going to go. So one, two, three. And I go and I hit him and nobody else came. So it was just me. And it, <laughs> it was like hitting a brick wall. And, you know, just, I, I was like, all right, well, I got to take him down. Now, now that I'm here, I've got to do something. Yeah, so I just kind of drug him down on top of me and, you know, just scrape my elbow, just barely. So I washed it off after it was all over. And um, about three days later, we're doing a flyover. And we get back to the airport. I jump off and my arm hits the, the rope and I'm like, God damn, that's tender. So that night I woke up and it was just swollen. Wow. Okay. Uh, the doc gives me, you know, a handful of 800 milligram Motrin and I go to sleep and it was still swollen the next morning. So they send me to the hospital and have uh, an IND done and they stuff it with gauze and kind of put like a three quarter hard cast. So it wasn't a full cast. Okay. Like they show in the movies, but because they had take it off every few days to pull some of that gauze out. Okay. Um, but I had a hep lock in this arm, getting IV antibiotics every three hours and sit at that hospital. You know, I'm just fucking going crazy. <clears throat> and I mean, I, I'm yelling at doctors and, you know, colonels and majors, you know, get me the fuck out of here. I'm going to, I'm going to fucking steal the next Humvee that comes in here. If you don't let me go. And, and they're like, fine, you know, next helicopter comes in, you know, we'll send you back to the hell back to the um, airport. Well, Right before that, some Marines and their interpreter were hit with an IED. Okay. So we, we heard it come over the radio and everybody's scrambling, you know, knowing that these guys are going to be coming into the hospital. Well, so, I mean, that helicopter's coming in. I'm getting the fuck out. So I walk out and they wheel the interpreter right by me. And, you know, the litters, they're, yeah. you know, about a little bit wider than your shoulders so your whole body can fit on it. And no legs, all his guts just sitting wow. on, the, on the gurney. And his arms are laid out like this, but like from about mid bicep, they just drop straight down. Man, he got like every bone in his body was just crushed. You know, the IED wow. hit right below, and we didn't have up armored Humvees. You know, like yeah, they did yeah, in, in yeah. Yeah, yeah, just regular Humvees. Um, so you know, I and I just I was pissed right away, and I'm like, why? I mean, we need to fucking do something about this. So I get back to the airport, and you know, tell the story a thousand times to, you know, about my elbow and, and, um, and then they get called out. And so first thing I do is I grab all my shit and, you know, still got the hat block in and the fucking cast on and, and get, get all the way out to the helicopter. And Sergeant Ellie's like, you, you can't come with us, you know, not, not like that. So I head back to the, you know, and thinking that, you know, n- nothing's going to happen anyway. Cause most of those, most of those missions yeah. were just, you know, you go, you come back and, and, yeah. you know, everything's cool. And then Lorenzo comes up to me and, and he's like, Hey man, he's like, take this. And, and, you know, that was his packet to send home to his family. And, and I'm like, dude, yeah, I'm get the fuck out of here. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll see you here in just a little bit, you know? And uh, of course, you know, I never got to see him again after that. Yeah. And that was that, I mean, that, that was in the movie, you know, movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, and I, I don't remember. Yeah. That was pretty, pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So Ricky Marciano who played Lorenzo yep. called me from Morocco several times 
to talk about our relationship just to make sure he played the part right. Wow. So, that's yeah, awesome. awesome. Of course, you know, Matthew Marsden, which who I'm acquainted with now yep. and fucking great dude. Um, you know, I, I didn't talk to him at all before the movie. Well, well, that, that's what Floyd said. Floyd said that you guys really got no inner, they can't, so they put them through rip some of the actors, yeah. but they, and like, I mean, me and Pablo are actually friends. The guy that played me, we actually got to right. know each other very, very well. And, and I think he played, perfectly he's just a monster he's just a, he's a lot bigger than me but um but that's what i heard i heard that 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 you guys didn't i was going to ask you that that you guys didn't get a chance really to meet your doppelgangers to no. get get it down oh wow no but but i mean like i said you know i i've met him you know i know tackett and sure and uh and and nick from ranger up so that, that they know him really well and that's how we kind of got connected several years ago oh, so, that's good. But, that's i mean cool. Seriously, Nick from Ranger Up is, is a great dude. I'd love to get oh, him yeah. on sometime. Oh, yeah. yeah. And John Tackett, you know, even though John didn't go to Somalia with us, he was in um, Second Platoon. Oh, right, okay. Right next to the line. One of the hardest motherfuckers I've ever met in my entire life. Um, during my first, you know, month there, we did Platoon XDEVs, and John walks the skin off his heels. Oh, doesn't ow. stop. And doesn't stop. And that like, is that is dude, probably one of the did you you're anybody that's that will that will make a batch that will make a batch out of anybody when you have yeah. no sorry guys a little I'm just trying to be politically correct on our show because we're so politically correct. That will make a little <laughs> bitch out of anybody. Just having having your heels blisters on your heels. You could have a broken leg and you'll keep walking. You'll have blisters on your heels, and that will <laughs> that will make nice. oh yeah. So walking with, with no skin. Oh. Uh, oh, unbelievable! They, when when they took his boot off, I mean, like he literally had blood. Wow! Ah, he had to cut his sock off. His skin was stuck to his socks. Ah, and, man! But, and he was never the same after that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It just like his feet were never the same after that. And so even he's laying on his stomach for two weeks, you know, trying to t- trying to heal. Um, but still, you know, one of the hardest motherfuckers I've yeah, ever met. That, that's tough, life. dude. Um, and, Wait. Did did you going back to some? I'm sorry. I want to. I just because I don't want to run out of time, brother. Um, did you? What was your altercation when they? You, okay, you didn't get the first. You know what's going on. You're hearing on the radio. That's probably one of the hardest things is hearing oh, yeah. people dying yeah. on the radio. And I, I get that. I I understand. I I, I really. And then we heard that that uh, Blackburn fell out of the helicopter. Yeah, and yeah. um and that um and that pillow was shot. And, oh wow! And, okay. and the helicopter, and then the first helicopter went down. Okay, so I'm like, "That's it, I'm fucking going." So I walk out and I look at Cash. I'm like, "Look, dude," I said, "I'm fucking going." He's like, "Not with that cast on." And then, so I'm I'm sulking, you know, at this point. And then our helicopter was shot down, Super Six Four, and I'm like, "Fuck it!" And so I just gr- start grabbing some of the um, Task Force One Sixty crew guys, yep, grabbing their gear, and walk out. Chris Milliman's there. He's he's a driver, so I grab his saw. And I just walk out and I'm like holding that saw up and I'm like, I'm fucking going with you. And he's like, not with that cast on. I'm like, okay. And I just fucking ripped the hep block out of my arm and they helped me wow. cut it off. I also got my uniform with the sleeve cut off. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so, but it's like, it wasn't even the second thought, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I just, I knew that I had to be out there. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, and any Ranger, you know, I, I understand. I know. I understand. I, I, I do. It's just, yeah, it's, you, you can't, you can't know what you're going to do in a situation until you're in a situation. And that's why all that, all you said, all that training. And I agree with you is 
prepares you. It really does. I, I've had rangers that I've met that that have been more peacetime. They haven't done anything. And like, man, I, 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 I don't know if I would have done. And I look at him in the eye and I said, dude, you would have. Just because you didn't get the opportunity to, you, if you're at 75th, you would have gone. You would have. Go ahead and say you, it. There's, there's no question. You would go. You you don't have to be. Just call them 90s Rangers. Just, just, I know you just call them 90s Rangers. <laughs> hear it all the fucking time. They're like, oh, 90s Rangers, except for that one time. <laughs> except for that one time that really, I mean, that's probably one of the most awesome. Yeah, but but, yeah. but that's the thing is, is yeah, I'm like, don't ever doubt. Of course you would. There's no okay. doubt that you would, because yeah. you know. Now tell me, and and you weren't even thinking. You're just, it's just, it's just business. It's it's time to go to work. It was. Yep. I mean, the emotion. The, the of course the adrenaline's there. That's just normal. The adrenaline is adrenaline is adrenaline. But you're ready to go, and you go. When you start to get out there, because that's where I don't know. I you know the movie and and from other guys I've talked to. When you started to get out there, what did you see, and what was your what was your first take? Was it just the same thing, business as usual, or did it, anything it hit catch right you? away? I mean, okay. it hit right away. So I mean, you know, we'd not, we'd been shot at a little bit, yeah, 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 you know, but but nothing major. And um, we head out the back gate, and like as soon as I pass this, like you know, the little walls, you know, that separated the, the yeah. road from yep, the yards, yep, yep, yep. and and the roads aren't very wide, you know, enough for Humvee and a half. So I just get past this little section of a wall and, and these four guys pop up and, and they're just like ambush. Wow. And so, I mean, I just, I turn and just start firing and, and, and I was good with the saw. I mean, you, you can ask Dave Floyd, he'll, he'll tell you I was the second best saw gunner, but <laughs> that's not true. I mean, he, he, me, me and Dave go round and round about that, but you know he is the second best saw gunner. I, mean, I, I, I would I, give that to him every single day. He's I believe the second it. best. Okay, I'll, so. I'll, I'll let him know. Okay. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm going to call him right after this. I'm going to fucking let him know again. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Steve Anderson was a Humvee behind me, and um, he said that he saw one run away, but he saw that I hit three, and <laughs> the other one ran away. And not 50 yards later, RPG lands right in front of our Humvee. Wow. Bucks like a Bronco slams my arm up against the, the, the side. So, I mean, it, it's bleeding again and, and cash starts yelling, you know, tree, tree. So me and the pre just start lighting this fucking thing up. Um, 50 cal and a saw wow. and branches are falling. Then finally the guy falls down, get up to this corner and we're getting, and there's just, you know, hundred, 200 people cheering for us. And, we just ran through an ambush and an RPG attack. And now we've got all these people cheering for us. And wow, I'm pissed because I know that Lorenzo was shot. Okay. You know, and after what just happened, I'm like thinking, I'm not taking any chances. And I'm looking out over this crowd, searching for enemy. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, all you'd have to do is pull the trigger. And everybody's going to like this, you know, just kill them all. You know, and, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm like, that's what I want. I, sure. That's what I wanted to do. You know, I'm like, fuck them. And, but just that training and. Well, it's discipline. You know, it's a discipline that. It is. Because yeah, how many times you want to haul off and beat the shit out of your squad leader right. that you probably could have, like, we can all take him. We got him, but <laughs> you don't because it's discipline. Right. And, and, and that's, I, the, I mean, that's why I hate to say it, but the high and tights and all that right. every week. And it's, it, it right. instills the discipline and intestinal fortitude. And I'm using all these key army words, but it, it is, man, it could be cliche, 
it fucking yep. is. And that and I, I had that same thing. The trigger, right. You know, I didn't pull the trigger and, and just, we kept That's going. And, and later, I mean, it wasn't until years later that I'm so glad that I didn't, Good, you know, yeah. um, I mean, there's just, there, there's no telling the, the, the weight that, you know, I mean, and, and, and I felt, I felt the weight before, you sure. know, um, you know, had my issues, um, still do from time to time. Well, but yeah, I, yeah. And, uh, um, so, so it's not easy. I don't care how little or how much you've gone through. It's just, you know, sure. you're, you're, you're going to feel it sooner or later. Uh, but I was able to save it for when it really counted. When you need, cause you're, you're, you know, you're still had a long, uh, uh, quite a few hours to right. go, oh, yeah. go, but, um, as you're going through it and you know, just, you know, going through the night, you're in those firefights, things are going on. You got those lulls. And I remember those lulls. I remember some of my lulls, my lulls. A lot of the times it was, it wasn't really thinking of my family. I wasn't really like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to die here. It was, it was just, okay, what do I, I'm preparing for the next run. But what, what were, or, or I, I briefly thought one time I did, I, and this is where my family came in my head. And I just wanted to remember, did I tell them the last conversation I had? Did I say I loved them? And I remembered that. And then they were, I was like, yeah, I did. Okay. I don't need to think about it anymore. Let's just continue to continue to prepare for the next, the next go around wherever the next round starts. But yeah, what was going through your head? Cause I know you, you know, people are like, it's not continuous, continuous, continuous. There are lulls. It's like a prize fighter. You're, you're fighting yeah. and then there's a lull and then there's fighting and then there's a lull. Yep. And then, you know, of course at night there yeah. wasn't hardly any firing, you know, as opposed to the movie where they showed lots of firing, but yeah. there wasn't really any firing. I mean, you know how it is they didn't have any night vision. So we weren't going to shoot and give away our positions. Sure. Sure. Um, just a smart thing to do, you know, tactically. Sure. So the whole time we're just sitting there in the Humvees, you know, and actually we were parked um, kind of near the uh, Olympic hotel where we had had a mission okay. before. Okay. And, um, and we're just, just sitting there, just w- listening to the radio, just trying to find out what's going on. You know what I'm saying? With, you know, getting the pilots out of the, um, Cut sure. the pilots out of the helicopter, uh, the fuselage. So, you know, th- that's all we cared about was that we we're, you know, looking for an enemy and then at the same time listening for, you know, listen to the radio to find out, you know, what's going on with our boys down the street. Okay. And, and um, comes the morning time, you know, we're getting through morning times coming. And did you know that, that the Pakistanis, that they had gotten them yep. and they were rolling in, that they were letting yep, you yep, know? Yep, and, we, we, and, yep. Mm-hmm. But was that accurately portrayed in the movie that you thought they were coming earlier and it just took them forever to get to your positions? Like it seemed like if I remember the movie correctly and then talking to the, talking to some of the guys, but I've never really gotten a depth conversation about this, um, that, that they, you guys thought they were coming at two and then it just kept dragging and dragging. And then eventually at daylight, they got there. If that's the case and that is accurate, how did you, you know, how, how did you keep your, well, your motivation up, man. I mean, that just seems depressing. They were out of there. Um, so, you know, I went out the first, for, it actually was the second convoy. So we brought okay. back. Yeah. The yeah. And then yeah, yeah. we went out the third convoy and the third convoy, I didn't have anybody um, uh, in the back of my Humvee with me. And, okay. and Weaver, Weaver was the TC, uh, you know, Aaron Weaver. Um, so you, you didn't know him, but. No, Aaron, he, uh, that's his brother, Ryan. Ryan Weaver's is, is Aaron Weaver. Aaron. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think they're brothers. Um, okay. But okay. Aaron and Struker did best Ranger together. Okay. 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 So, um, and Aaron became a pilot later and, um, ended up, 
dying in a crash. It sounds like it's Ryan think, Weaver's brother because that's that's Ryan, the story Ryan is Ryan is just a, Ryan's a Ryan is a old is a Blackhawk pilot and he was on our show before yes. and he was he's a country singer now. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you Aaron, said that Aaron was a pilot. Yeah, right? Aaron, yeah. yeah. I, I I knew that was Aaron. I I didn't know Aaron was. Yeah, I I didn't know you guys. No, I. Okay. Wow. That's well, again small yeah, world. So, Holy I shit! Mean, I was going to say it really does tie into yeah, how you said even earlier forward. that it's a small community. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Uh, um. So I'm uh, I, I'm in the back end, and I'm just like we're waiting. So the Pakistanis and the Tenth Mountain show up, and um, you know, greatly appreciated. You know, them being there, you know, helped us get out. But I mean, you, you know how it is. I mean, there's and I and I'm friends with a lot of the Tenth Mountain guys now, and. Um, always try to include them, you know, and yeah. because they they lost a couple guys that night, you know what I'm saying? And, and it just, you know, they, they put their asses on the line just like we did. Um, I, I hate the back and forth because Hollywood didn't give them, you know, any credit yeah. that, yeah. You know, and it just, it, it sucks. And, you know, I mean, Rangers do fucked up shit, but you know, during that night, one of the, one of the privates from you know, one of these uh, armored vehicles were shooting up a loom rounds. And, and I'm like, what in the fuck? And shoots up another one. And then shoots up another one. Why? Every time they go out. He, he was just a private. He just wanted to see what was going on. You know what I'm saying? He just. And, 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 tent, and, didn't, it, and it at made, that time, Tent didn't have night. No, I, I don't know that they had night vision at all, but, um, but they just, it amazed me that the guy, the E six in charge didn't come down and stop him from doing it. You know, um, I don't know. If, and I don't know that he was getting word from somebody saying they needed light down there or something, but, um, but I was pissed and man, I jumped out of my, the back of the Humvee went over there. I put my fucking barrel about three inches from his face. And I said, you shoot another one of those things up again and I'm going to fucking kill you. And then the C six jumps out and, and he's like, what's going on? And I fucking put the barrel in his face. I said, if he shoots another one again, I'm going to kill him and I'm going to fucking kill you. And he just didn't say anything. And I turned around and walked back to the Humvee. But it, it was just, it is one of those things. I mean, in, in combat, you just never. Well, no, no you, as you're, you're private. As a young private, you just, and, and, and I, and I hate to tell that story because I don't want anybody to think that that's, that's how all these guys are. You know what I'm saying? No, because I, you, you know, as well as I do, there's plenty of guys in the regular army that, could be rangers if they wanted to yeah you know well, I, hard I, motherfuckers I, that you know you know but um, I, and I, I don't think people take it that way. i don't i don't think our listeners and i don't i don't take it hey we all holy shit that that's a stressful fucking situation you're an e2 and i right. I, I guarantee that motherfucker somebody that's like I, that was their that was their 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 that was their mo man that was that was their fucking yeah. their uh, what's the word? I'm what's the fuck? I, now I'm I'm going. I'm drawing a blank, man. Holy shit! But that was that was somebody said, "Hey, do this," you know, every so right. often, and that that was their task condition and standard. I, I don't know why right. I'm drawing a blank. And all my army guys, you can make fun of me because I'm forgetting the fucking <laughs> acronym right now. But or SOP. There you go, man. <laughs> fucking man. holy shit! You, all right, all right, pushing it. But but yeah, but it, it and so I, I it just that's that's war. That's you're, you, that's why training is so fucking important. That's why the right training is so important. Important. That's why doing it over right. and over and over again until you just are sick of it is so important. Because when the shit hits the fan, you're going to revert to what that highest level of training is. And obviously, yeah. it, 
And that was yep. that, but that's, and, that's, and we're all human. that's part of it. Yep. All right. And we're going to wrap this one up with another Army Ranger, Chris Dykos from episode 114. One of our more popular episodes, as you can hear, another Army Ranger. I loved speaking with Chris. We got to get him back on the show at some point. This is about the shared experience that Army Rangers have together, collectively. Check it out. That shared experience, yeah. I think, um, makes like the connections even deeper, no matter what. Right? Yeah. Like, no matter what our backgrounds are, you know, no matter what our political affiliations are, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We have that shared experience and that forever, right? Like, and that, that, that carries on forever. I mean, you and I didn't speak to each other. It it was by choice, right? Like Uh, we just lost touch. Um, But, but when, when was the call? It was, it had 12 years. It was like, I mean, when we talked in Florida, we hadn't talked in, no, we were talking decades. Yes. And it was immediately like, we just picked it up from where we left off, man. And um, it was funny, like my son um, brought it up like, hey, do you got this guy, Chris Pirano? Uh, you know, this guy? <laughs> man, that sounds familiar. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, because I, I'm totally like, I don't, I don't really, I'm like, you guys mentioned, like I've moved, like I, I don't follow yeah, military, you know, stuff. St- um, I don't know culture, so to speak. Yeah, like vet vet bro culture. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Vet bro culture, exactly. And people are shocked when they find out, like, what you were in second range battalion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were smack a geek. All right, so, um, but I mean, my my son brought it up and immediately picked it up right away, and and uh, reached out to you and immediately picked it up from there. And again, that's because of that shared experience of that um, camaraderie within that unit. And I think there needs to be more of that. I think that service, not necessarily everybody serving a Ranger Battalion, but I think service needs to be part of our, our um, you know, requirements of citizenship. Like no, some I, degree of service. If I, you want to be a citizen, you need to be serving at least for two years or whatever. I, I agree. I Being able to give of yourself, it, it takes, it's hard Sacrifice. to do. Yeah. Especially when you don't, when you're, man, uh, when you don't really know how to serve, you don't really know how to give of yourself. And and then you finally figure it out um, either by you figuring it out because you just have that great personality that you're able to do that. Or like myself, see, falling on my face and then watching other people do it for me. Like, right. Oh my gosh. All right. Yeah. This, this is what it means. So humility, um, yeah, right? it is humility. Oh yeah. That humbled the shit out of me. And that's, humbled that's what, that's what I love with, with, you know, Chris and I also be able to talk and, you know, E and I don't, we, we, it's why we don't do politics on the show. We don't get into all that because, and honestly, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, I hate it. I, I got in the middle. I know how, I know what it is behind those curtains and it's, it's the shit show back there. There's not nothing good about it. Yeah. Um, and you forget and you lose friendships over it. And it, it's, it's like, Oh yeah. That's- no, it's, it's sad. Um, yeah. especially after the past four years of like the schism. Well, so well, lost- yeah. Well, how, that's the one is, is your son being in and do, do you guys ever talk about it all? Or do you guys keep it out of the, out of the family dinner night and family night? Dinners what, 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 what component? What, what, like, yeah, well with the military in itself and <laughs> how do you, oh, yeah. Like I, I definitely talk about, it, you know, <laughs> especially helping him get through what he's going through right now. He's with third group. And, um, 
Um, really happy. He's been gone for seven and a half, going on seven, maybe eight years. Seven. Yeah. He, he shot me. Uh, he, Fort Lewis. he shot. Holy crap. Wait, third group. So he's going back to first group or is third group he's getting going back at- to first group? Okay. So he'll be at first group. Um, so we we're excited cause we haven't seen him in about, you know, we've seen him, but he hasn't lived in our area for like seven years. Sure. So excited to have him back here, but yeah, we definitely talk about it. Um, help advise him the politics and how to navigate all that. And he's doing great. Yeah. That's the best thing. Doing to better do. than I did. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was just a weird time though. It wasn't a lot of guys were getting to go. That was so weird about second battalion and compared to where I went in the second time when I came back. Yeah. Guys were going to school. I mean, you know, it was like we were going to have to wait two years. And that was just right. sucks. Like, oh, my God, I got to be a fucking right, I got to suck it up for, for two years. And for have two years. Jerk yeah, off, smoke me, and, you know, because. Yeah. It, but the second time I went in, I mean, guys were going to school. It was like a machine. And I, I – go ahead. Sorry, I keep interrupting. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all good. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was talking to a buddy um, from when I was – went to William Mary, and a guy who was there, his name was Will Guild. Um, pretty well-known SEAL, um, going back into the eighties when he was a SEAL up to, I think the early mid two thousands. Um, he was always like, I came back to William Mary after getting through rip and all that. And, and, um, and he was he was kind of not laughing, but he, he thought it was absurd that we didn't go straight to ranger school. (laughs) So that's (laughs) through. Yeah. Before they even show up, they go through buds and all that. And they yeah. you know, show up all accredited. Right. And so he just thought that was the most absurd thing that it's held in front of us like a, uh, like a carrot. Right. It is. On the mule yeah. um, to keep going and going and going. Like someday you'll get to suck it up through ranger school as well. <laughs> you know, right. Like <laughs> this is a goal for you. Like to, Keep dealing with this nonsense until you get to there. Uh, I, um, so it's good to hear that they don't that guys are going through quicker. Um, and uh, yeah, it's but there also seems to be a lot more slots now. Yeah, the slot slots would definitely help out. I I, I think I was only there for uh, when I came back. You know, I was still untabbed and I was still a uh, total private. Uh, but I think I only had to wait two months. Two months, and I was psh, oh. And, and, and I was gone and I was like, got knocked it out, came back and then just continued to basically, it, it really was, it was like, I, I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm picking up where I, where I fell off, where I fell off the horse a little bit, but it was amazing. Now I, it, it was a tremendous, and that's why I use when I talk, I use that experience about really how failing, and I, I put it in air quotes, failing was just a step towards success. It really was. It was, it was just, man, you f- fell down and figured it out and it just got me stronger and it was easier this and it was second time I was in it was a cake it was a, it was like man I can I, we went through hell it's not a negative thing never no right and, I, and, I, and we, I mean I wish there was another word for it right because failure has that connotation that we all like think of negative but yeah yeah you, what did you so you went through that experience it didn't work out as you expected okay so what can I learn from that what can I adjust from that okay now I can succeed All right, well, that does it for this Top Shelf episode. Let us know what you thought. Tweet us at Pod. You could also uh, check us out on Instagram at Podcast. Leave us comments if you're on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe. If you're on 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else. Um, I know Amazon is a review section too. We only have like one review on Amazon and then we have hundreds on Apple. So wherever you're listening, leave us a review. It helps with the algorithm. It helps other people to find the show. And uh, that's it. We'll be back next week in studio for the first time. Uh, first time doing video like that. First time since episode one being in studio with the one and only Phil Otto in Fort Scott, Kansas. We look forward to it. God bless you guys and hope you have a great week. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself. Face all challenges head on. And as always, never, never quit. quit.